Tonight, we're going to look at someone that's my favorite character, honestly, in the Bible, I would say. Straight up. I think if I quote people, it's normally this person all the time throughout the New Testament. And it's a man named Peter. Y'all know Peter? So here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you don't know who Peter is, it's okay. I'm going to give you the snapshot version, and I want to show y'all something. So here's the deal. Peter was just a regular Joe fisherman. He did his own thing out in the water. That was his career. He wasn't anything fancy, didn't have anything special about him. If anything, he was not special is what I would say. So Peter was just a fisherman. Jesus is on the edge of the shore, and he's preaching, man. He's getting after it with some folks. Imagine like Jesus, like right now on the stage, like just getting it to people, like just doing his thing. Well, all of a sudden, the crowd is pressing in. Not everyone can hear him. So Jesus stands on top of Peter's boat at the edge of the water. And Jesus starts giving it to him. Like, it's like he's got the own, like, like a podium on this boat. You know, he's doing his thing. And then all of a sudden, he finishes teaching, and he does something miraculous for Peter, and he says something incredible, invi- like, so inviting. So I want to show you a clip. If you ever seen the TV show The Chosen, this is a clip from it. It's so good. If you haven't seen the video, like, series, it is phenomenal. But if you could, turn your attention to the screen. This is about a four-minute clip, but it captures, it really does capture what happens between Jesus and Peter. That is all for today. I have some business to attend to with my new friend. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. Uh, I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word. Ah! 
My brother and the baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, I'm sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. <laughs> what do you want from me? Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. Hey, so if you've never seen The Chosen, it's good, right? It's so good. I rock right here, right here, guys, right here. Track with me. The Chosen is an, is an app you can download on any kind of digital device, and you can check it out. It's got like 11 episodes right now that are like 45 minutes long to an hour, and they are, they're so good. Like, they're so good. They bring the Bible to life. And uh, that moment, can you just imagine seeing Jesus bring in a catch of just tons of fish, something that he's never seen before in his entire life. And he's blown away. He's, he is shocked at the power and the miracle that Jesus just performed. And so he gets out of the boat, and what does he do? He falls flat on his face before Jesus, and he says, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. He says, you, have, you must be the Lamb of God, and I'm no doubt an enemy of God as a sinner. I have messed up. And Jesus tells him, he says, he says, listen, don't be afraid. He says, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. And Peter says, I will. And he says, from now on, you will no longer be fishing for fish, but you'll be fishing for men, which is such a, like a parable of a statement. What does that mean? You're fishing for men. What he's saying is, you're not going out and casting a net and catching fish now. He says, you're going to go out and you're going to cast the net of the gospel. And you're going to cast the seed of the gospel. And it's going to land on the hearts of men. And people will hear the word and they will choose to follow Jesus. That's what he is saying when he says you'll be a fisher of men. What happens in this moment is that Jesus is calling Peter to do something extraordinary with his life, empowered by Jesus Christ himself. Follow me. Stick close to me. Follow behind me in my way, the path that I'm leading. And I promise I'm going to do mighty things through you. I have a calling specific to Peter. So here's what happens. Peter is literally in the splash zone of what Jesus is doing all throughout his career and his ministry. 
Like as Jesus travels all over the place, Peter sees Jesus raise a dead girl from the dead to rise up and walk again. Peter witnesses seeing someone who was a paralytic, someone who didn't have any mobility in their legs, Jesus would heal them and they would stand up and walk out. Peter was witnessing these things. He saw God move in a mighty, mighty way. And then all of a sudden you fast forward to where Jesus is literally at the dinner table with all the disciples about to hand himself over to go be crucified. You know what I'm talking about? It's if you're reading the Gospels, always at the very end of the Gospels, right there at the end, he's around the round table with the boys, and he's doing a Lord's Supper, the, the Lord's Supper with them, the Passover feast. And what he ends up telling Peter, he says, Peter, you yourself will deny me three times before the rooster crows. Y'all heard this before, right? Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows in the morning. And Peter's like, no, 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 Jesus, you are tripping, fam. There's no way I'm going to rebuke you or reject you or deny you in front of anybody. I got your back even to the death. That's what Peter's saying. Listen, right here, right here. Don't miss it. Peter is like, I'm not going to mess up. Like, you can have my word. I put my life on it. I'm not going to deny you. Jesus hands himself over to the religious rulers, and they take him. And Peter, nervous and afraid, is following around what Jesus is doing at a distance. He's seeing the people mocking and hitting and, and persecuting Jesus. And so he's at a distance watching all this, and all of a sudden people start to come up to him and listen to what they say. I believe we have this verse on the screen for those who want to follow along. I believe it's John chapter 18. Do we have this, verse 17 and 18? This is what it says. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? Aren't you one of his followers? And he said, what? I am not. He said, yo, yo, that's not me. You got it wrong. Like, I'm not that person. You go again, the second time, John chapter 18, verse 25 and 27. Now the servants and the officers had made a charcoal fire. What is this right here? Everybody say it all together. Three, two, one. Okay. So they were sitting by a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. Let's go to the next verse. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, What? He says, No, 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 you got it wrong. I'm not with that guy. I'm not one of his followers or one of his disciples. Let's keep reading. What does he say next? Verse 26, one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once the rooster crowed. Peter is ashamed because what Jesus said he would do is exactly what he did. He, he failed. He missed it. Like this was a big deal. He denied his best friend, his master, his Lord and Savior. He denied it all. He says, I don't have anything to do with that guy. Just like that. So Jesus goes to the cross. He's crucified. 
He's buried in a tomb. And on the third day, he rises from the dead, victorious, which is its own. That's what we celebrate at Easter. It's the biggest thing that we celebrate as believers in the church is the, is the resurrection of Jesus. But then after he was resurrected, he went to go see his disciples. And that's what we're going to pick up tonight is with Peter. After he had denied Jesus, what did he do? If you got your Bibles with us, you can read along on the screen or you can read along in your Bible. We're going to be in John chapter 21. John chapter 21. John chapter 21. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. It says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. This is a big deal because Peter used to be a fisherman, but God called him out of that to go follow him and what he was going to do. And so now that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, that he's denied Jesus, he thinks he's disqualified from what God called him to do. So what he does is this. He goes back to what's comfortable and easy and, and, and natural for him, fishing. I'm going to go back to fishing. And so this is what it says. He says, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you, the other disciples. They went out and they got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing, which is the exact same circumstance we see in Luke chapter 5 when God calls Peter. They went out all night fishing. They didn't catch Jack. Right now, John 21, they go out fishing all night. They didn't catch Jack. All right, here they go. Just... As day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, which is kind of a shot, I feel like, low key, but children, do you have any fish? Do you have any fish? And they answered him, no, nada. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some, which is kind of what he said in the story, right? From Luke chapter four, we just saw Luke chapter five, we saw on the screen a minute ago. So they cast the net and they were not able to haul in the catch or haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. I imagine him being like, like they're fishing, they're throwing out all the fish hit and all of a sudden he's like, it's the Lord. It's got to be Jesus. It's got to be the Messiah, the guy that came up in Luke 5 back in the day. Like, he's back again, right? And this is what it says. Peter, man, I love this guy. This is so Peter. This is what he says. Peter heard that it was the Lord. He put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. That man dove into the water. And he began swimming all the way over there. So it says, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from the land, but about a hundred yards off. Verse nine, when they got out on the land, they saw a what? Charcoal fire. Charcoal fire, baby. What does that remind you of? Peter. Peter. What happened to Peter at the charcoal fire? He denied Christ. The first thing that we hear as a, as a reader of the story, the only time that you'll ever see charcoal fire in the entire New Testament is that Peter at breakfast with Jesus right here in John 21 and in John 18 when Peter denied Christ. You cannot 
miss it, that he is trying to connect the dots, that Peter, you who denied Christ, Jesus is still inviting you to be a part of something. Remember where you messed up? I'm still inviting. I'm still working. I'm still doing something. Regardless of what you've done in the past, I'm still doing something in the forward. You know? So here you go. You keep reading. Verse 10, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net of shore full of large fish, 150 of them. I still don't know why he says 150. I'm trying to figure it out. There's different commentators on why they think that the number 153 is what Jesus racked in for them, but I'm figuring it out. So 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. I just think about the personal side of it. These guys have gone back to fishing. They should be ashamed to be in front of Jesus. Yet he says, come and sit with me. Come just be with me. I'm not worried about the fish. I'm not worried about all the other stuff. Just come be with me. And this is what he says. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They took the bread, or sorry, they knew that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so would the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And this is where we're about to dive in. And this is verse 15, all right? This is the meat and potatoes of this whole passage, all right? If you're going to get anything, get this right here. Verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter. So Jesus looks to Simon Peter, who was the one that he called away from the fishing and the boating a long time ago to come follow him. He now looks at Simon Peter, and this is what he says. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What are the these? The fish, right? He's sitting here with a boat of fish flopping around all over the place. They just finished breakfast. He says, Simon, listen here. Do you love me more than you love these? And Peter says this, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Like, you know it. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Verse 16. Can I just go and say, feed my lambs is not talking about go like be a shepherd, don't be a fisherman. That's not what he's talking about, all right? He's talking about the calling to shepherd the sheep, meaning like right now, what I do as a pastor, what Grace does, what, what Garrett and Abby do, what your life group leaders do, how they shepherd you, they're mentoring you, they are feeding you with the word of God, that is tending to the sheep. What the good shepherd does in John chapter 10 is what he's saying, I want Peter to model in his life. So he's saying, feed my lambs. He's saying, be a shepherd to my people. And this is what he says. He says, Simon, again, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, man. You know, like you know this already. I love you, Lord. He says to him, tend to my sheep. He's like, man, you're saying it again. Like, what, you, what is he saying here, man? What's he going with? Verse 17, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, Peter was grieved. He's like, he's like, I don't know if he's teary-eyed at this point, or if he's frustrated. I don't know what's going on, Peter, but he is, he is grieved in his heart because he said it to him a third time. He says, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. He goes on and talks about in verse 18 and 19 about the, about the, the coming future for him, about what kind of ministry and death you will have, but check it out. Verse 20 is where I want to finish. Or verse 19, the very last part of it says this. 
And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Where did he say that at? Or Luke chapter 5, yeah, right there. When he first called Peter, the first thing he says to him is, follow me. And now you look at the end of John 21, Jesus' last conversation with Peter, he says, follow me. Guys, I've got real quick, I'm going to be quick tonight, and we'll get out of here. If you're, if you're taking notes at all, I need you to capture this. We're going to talk about the calling of God's life, God's God's calling in your life. And we're going to look at this. Number one is this. Don't miss out on the joy of God's calling in your life. The joy of God's calling in your life. Some of you right now are trying to figure out what is God going to do with you? What is God's calling in your life? I can hear you like thinking in your mind, really, I can not hear like like, that's weird, but I mean, like, I can anticipate you guys thinking in your heart about, well, you don't know me. Like, like I'm, what is God going to do with me? Like, how can I be used by God? Some of you in the room are thinking, I'm just, I'm just, there's nothing special about me. There's tons of other people that are first in line before me. I promise, I get it. I get it. If Jesus can call a fisherman to be the number one person that he builds his entire church in the book of Acts and beyond, he can use you. Some of y'all don't believe that. If God can use some goofy country boy from Tipton County in the goofiest small town there ever was in Tipton County to lead and minister in a middle school ministry, he can use you. Like he can, he can use any of us for big kingdom things. Peter wasn't out seeking that. Peter wasn't out chasing the glory and the fame. He was simply a fisherman. But God met him in the boat and said, I want to call you up to something far greater than you've ever experienced in your life. And that calling wasn't just for Peter. God is calling each one of you to something greater than what you're experiencing right now. The question is, I know you're thinking, what is it, right? What is my calling? Well, I wish I could tell y'all, whenever I was your age, I was asking the same question. I was cooking toast in the morning one day. I popped it up, and all of a sudden, there was this cute little message that said, you're going to be a middle school pastor one day, you know? I wish it just had it burned in the edges and let me know. That would have been great. That does not happen, all right? I wish I could tell you I was at the beach one day and a sign flew by that said, Corey, you should, you should put an application to be an MA at Bellevue Baptist Church. That was never on my radar. That kind of calling, I don't know if it happens on a regular basis. Some people have some very moments, like very instrumental moments, that this is when I knew the Lord was calling me to do something, be part of something. But I'm going to be real with you. For the vast majority of us, all it is is being so in tune and walking with Jesus that he is leading and guiding every single step of the way. That's the calling I want to ask you about tonight, is are you walking with the Lord? Are you in a position where you're saying, Lord, here's my life. What do you want to do with it? Because I'm going to tell you right now, the joy of the calling of God is not in this. It's not in the job. 
It's not in the stage. It's not in the, the, the events or the programs or, or even in the fruit of the ministry. Can I tell you what the joy is? The joy is when Peter leaps out of his boat, doesn't care about the fish, doesn't care about boating, doesn't care about the people that were all around him in the boat. What he cared about was being with Jesus. When they said, it is the Lord, he didn't care about anything else but about being with him. I tell you this because here's the deal. Listen, right here. The joy of what God is going to do in your life is not in the, the task or the doing or the accolades or the trophies or winning. It's none of that stuff. The joy is this right here. It is being with Jesus. Like it's just being with him. Some of y'all don't even know what that looks like to experience just being with Jesus. I'm just telling you, there's a great joy in just being obedient to the calling and being firmly planted in what the Lord is doing in your life. To wake up in the morning and to delight to be with Jesus. To go to bed at night and say, I don't even care about what happens on the phone today. I just want to put this aside. I want to get in the Word and just spend time with Jesus. Like, that is the joy. Does anyone want that? Does anyone want to experience that joy and the calling in God's life, like in God in your life? I'm telling you, students, I can't say it loud enough. I wish I could just get on a ladder and proclaim it. The joy is not in what you get out of the calling of God. The joy is the person you're in the calling with. Like just being with him, sitting with him, worshiping him, delighting in the word. I can't think of a better joy in the world. I'm just telling you right now. Everything else pales in comparison to just seeing Jesus and being with Jesus. That is the joy of God's calling in your life. I could stop right there and we'd be done for the night. Like y'all could just go home and just say, that's my focus this week is to just find joy in the presence of Jesus. If you want to do that this week, can I just tell you quick steps? What do I do? All I do is I just grab the Bible and read. I have a plan. I'll read through the book of Nehemiah right now. That's where we're going next series coming up. I'm also reading in the book of James right now. This past week, I was reading in Psalm 1 because that's a key passage for our middle school ministry. I was just being encouraged by it. I just wanted to spend time there. Last night, I had to do some schoolwork. And I'm like, you know what? Instead of doing schoolwork, I'll do my schoolwork on Wednesday night. I'll just stay up late after our sermon tonight. I'll do some schoolwork on third Tuesday night. All I want to do was just read in John 21. I just wanted to get more out of it. That's what it looks like to just spend time with Jesus, to find joy in the Lord. Have you ever just put your phone up? out of the room, put it in another room or put off the technology and just say, Lord, I'm going to just sit with you in my chair. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit in my room for a moment and I'm just going to say, Lord, I, I don't know what you're doing in my life fully, but I just want to spend some time with you. So I'm just going to read some scripture. I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to grab a verse and I'm just going to ask, Lord, would you meet with me for a moment? I just want the joy of being in the presence of Jesus. That sounds crazy to probably a lot of you guys out there, but I'm telling you, as someone who has experienced I can go around a lot of people in this room, leaders in the room, who just sit with Jesus, that is the joy when God calls you in your life. The joy of God's calling. The second thing is this, the grace of God's calling, okay? I told you I was going to be quick. I'm so sorry. The grace of God's calling. Here's the deal. Peter 
had messed up in glorious fashion. He had absolutely failed his master, Jesus. Yet Jesus never once brings it up. Did you see him say, like, oh, Peter, remember at the charcoal fire again? You know what I mean? Like, is that what he did? Did he say, hey, man, like, listen, I, I had a spot for you, but I was looking at what kind of happened when I was at the cross and that kind of stuff. And was just like, oh, no, maybe I'm going to take Andrew instead of Peter. You know, like, is that what he was like? No, man. Jesus was like, Peter, do you love me? I don't care about what you've messed up in. I don't care about what you failed. Do you love me? And Peter's like, man, I'm all in, bro. I love you, man. You know I love you. He's like, do you really love me? He's like, you know I love you, Jesus. He's like, man, do you really? Are you with me? I mean, like, do you not care about the fish? Do you not care about the boat? You don't care about all the other stuff? You just want me? And he's like, I just want you, Jesus. And Jesus says, man, I got a calling for you. He says, I'm going to use you to feed my sheep. I'm going to use you to build my church for the whole future. And that's what you see is that when Peter realizes that his performance did not dictate God's calling, he was all in, man. Realize this. Jesus does not care about your performance. He doesn't care about, about how many trophies you got on the shelf back there. Like It doesn't matter. He just wants to call you to be a part of it. It's not about how cool you are, how much you outperform the next guy. He says, I just want you to join in the mission. I want to involve you in what I'm doing. I've got big plans for you, Peter. You want to be a part of that or you want to fish? You want to go back to your boat? We're going to go back to the kingdom work I got for you. And the question for you as a student today is this. What is the boat and the fish in your life that you are planted and digging into, walking away empty-handed day after day? And Jesus is saying, would you leave the fish and just come feed the sheep? What is it? What is God calling you to do? Is he calling you to sit at the cafeteria, lunch table with people that you don't know to share the gospel? Is he calling you to just memorize God's word, to start reading the Bible instead of spending hours on TikTok and Snap and all the other apps on your phone? Is he begging you to just put those down and spend time with him? Is he asking you to quit chasing the girls or the boys and just say, chase after me? This is the part where you all giggle and laugh because I said girls and boys, right? This is middle school ministry, right? Listen, listen, I'm telling you, some of you guys, some of you in this room in middle school ministry are chasing after the other people in this room or chasing after people at your schools or on your sports teams or in your neighborhood. You're thinking about them all the time. That's what your pursuit is on, and you're missing out on the pursuit of Jesus. You're missing out on being in the presence of Jesus. Why would Jesus reveal himself to someone who has all their priorities mixed up where they don't even care about being at the feet of Jesus? Why? Jesus longs to spend time with you. The third thing is this. I probably need to stop here. I got four, but I'm going to stop. Last thing is this. Um, I'm going to go to four. I'm going to skip three. Uh, the fourth one is this. Um, not only do you see the joy of the calling in your life, like we see in Peter, not only do we see the grace of, in the life of Peter, through God's calling there, when he says, feed my sheep, follow me, he basically is restoring 
Peter to come be back a part of what he's doing. Some of y'all right now got beef in your life with the Lord, and he's like, man, I want to deal with it. I want a clean slate. I want to wipe it clean. Let it start fresh again. He's asking you, extending grace, will you repent of those things and follow me? And here's the last one. The impact of God's calling on your life. The impact of God's calling on your life. I want to bring up Grace Wade real quick. Come on, Grace. Y'all don't have to clap. Listen, listen. We're going to clap for her all night long. All right, y'all can clap for her. It's cool. Y'all can do your thing. Grace, you can stay right here. Grace is someone that I can tell you straight up. The joy and the calling for her, although it is wrapped up in a lot of your lives, it's wrapped up in a lot of what she's seen in you, it's wrapped up in a lot of the joys of Camp Ocoee and all the other stuff, Grace's number one joy is Jesus. Her calling, first and foremost, has been to the Lord. That's been it. That's why whenever she can leave a season of middle school ministry, she can say, I still have joy because my calling was not wrapped up in a situation or a people, but it was in a person, Jesus Christ. And that's why she's also saying that she has the grace in God's calling, meaning that she has the forgiveness and mercy. Grace and I both stand up here and say we are not perfect. We make mistakes on a regular, daily basis. Yet Jesus does not allow that to disqualify us from a ministry, but continues to use us to impact and influence people around me, which brings me to the impact of the calling that God places on our life. And this is this. If you are in this room tonight and you would say, I have been personally impacted. Who I am today is different because of the ministry that Grace has had. I'm thinking a lot of the girls in the room right now who've been impacted by Grace's ministry. Would you just do me a favor? Would you just raise your hand if you have been influenced and impacted by Grace's ministry in your life? Y'all can look around real quick. You can look around. Grace, this is not to, to boast or put you on a pedestal. You know that. Grace has been obedient to God's calling in her life. She had no idea she would ever be an MA in middle school. She had no idea she'd ever be a director in middle school. She's just being faithful where the Lord planted her. And over time, the Lord would give her more and more and more and expand her influence to where many of you are in the room. You can take your hands and put them down now. It's all right. A lot of you in the room have been impacted by one person who is faithful in God's calling, right? Now listen here. What if everyone in this room were to just understand and walk in the joy of God's calling? What if you were to say, I'm all in, Jesus. Like, I got nothing I'm holding back. There's no fish. There's no boat. I'm just all in. This is all I got. Think about the influence and the impact that you could have with your entire life. This is just three years, four years of Grace Wade's ministry here. Think about the next 20, 30, 40 50 years of ministry that you could have if you were to just surrender and walk in God's calling in your life. Am I saying you got to have it all figured out? No. I'm saying you don't have to have it figured out. I'm saying you just got to be all in with Jesus. It means, I appreciate Grace, you can find a seat. I'm going to keep you up here. What that means is it's just being, being content being content in the Lord 
finding the joy in being with Jesus. Finding the joy in just enjoying Him. It means realizing that you're going to make mistakes and seeing that God's grace is sufficient to keep you moving in the calling. It's seeing that it takes a lot of faith. It takes faith to walk in obedience. It takes faith to leave the boat and the fish. It takes faith to trust that Jesus is going to use you in a mighty way. And then finally this, this is the last one. It's to see the impact of God's calling. You're going, to, you're going to get to witness and experience all the Lord does for you when you surrender to him. I've been talking a lot tonight, and I apologize for it. I'm just telling you students right here. Listen, last thing I got for you is this. God has a special calling for every one of you. Everyone, I'm looking at the ones in the back too, the ones who are all in the corners. Look, God has a special calling on your life. He sees you, he loves you, and he's got big plans for you. But you're never going to experience them until you surrender in following Jesus. So here's the deal. Last thing I got for you is this. If anyone in the room tonight would say, Corey, I have never surrendered to Jesus. I've never followed Jesus. I want to give you a chance. I want to give you a chance to come forward and come talk to me. Some of you are like nervous for that already. I promise if Peter can leave the fish in the boat, you can leave your chair for two minutes to come talk to me. I promise I can tell you about what it takes to pray, to repent, and to receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. Jesus wants nothing more than for you to take a leap of faith in following him.